0: and this is where I'll put it straight, criticize all the educational systems in the world. They teach performance, but they don't teach recovery. Because how shall young people understand what is the balance if they're only shown you need to perform, 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 perform? Mostly Awesome, a podcast about the wins and fails of innovators. Brought to you by CDTM in Munich.
1: Welcome to Mostly Awesome. Our guest today is Volkert Behrens, a triathlete and professional coach. After an accident in 2008, doctors told him that he might never walk again. But it turned out quite differently. Fifteen months later, Volkert successfully took part in the Ironman Triathlon and became world champion of his age group. He seems to have discovered his way for overcoming tragedy and adversity and turning it into opportunity. Building upon this experience, today he finds himself in the role of a coach and speaker while he is of course still doing lots of sports. With his 20 years of experience in mentoring individuals, teams and companies and finding their unused potential, he has lots of wise insights and inspiring words to share with us. He talks about taking risks, believing in ourselves, striving for more, but also about being patient and taking breaks. We hope this is going to leave you inspired and you will enjoy this conversation with Volkert as much as we did.
2: Now, before we get started, let me briefly walk you through what we've talked about with Volkert. We start off by finding out how he keeps the discipline to do triathlons. What is the importance of off-time and relaxing and what ambition can look like for different people. We also discuss the differences between ambitious or striving and status quo people. Finally, we heard about Falkert's personal story of how he turned adversity into opportunity and what are the lessons he learned from this experience. So without further ado, let's welcome Falkert Behrens. We are very excited to have him on our podcast today.
1: So Falkert, thank you very much for coming to Mostly Awesome. We're super excited to have you on here.
0: Thanks a lot Lisa and Tim thanks for having me and I'm I'm seriously excited and stoked I'm on it so um, I'm looking forward to this let's see what happens
1: Cool. So we will start with this episode right with the first question that is actually coming from our last guest, who was Saskia Breusten. She's a social entrepreneur and investor. And her question to you, Volker, was how do you go on way beyond three times sports a week and keep that up for so long? How on earth do you keep the discipline to do triathlon?
0: (laughs) Well, I think everybody who's a nerd doesn't have to discipline himself. He's just nerded. So Uh, for me sports is just one of my parts one of one of my life parts which which actually makes my personality as well so i don't need to force myself it's something which draws me it's like a magnet something which it's not an addiction by the way it's very important there's a big big uh, difference between addiction and uh, uh, let's call it a a satisfaction Uh, i think addiction is something you need to do to uh, get something out of it and i do it for some different reason because i give something into it so for me it's 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 organization. Yes, I do have a high hourly job. Yes, I do have a family of two very young kids. But at the end of the day, it's also kind of, and this is where the discipline comes in, a kind of timing structure.
2: Okay. So you said for you, it's about giving something into it. So for you, there's nothing coming out of it or is there any... <laughs>
0: No, good question. It's, it's, it's actually, of course, normally if you go for something into it, it's like an invest, you hopefully get something out of it. So what do I give into it? I give into it my time, I give into it my, my uh, devotion and I give into it my, my mind because um, I must seriously say that I use the triathlon not only to do a sporty performance, but also to reflect what I've been um, experiencing. And also to project what i'm going to be doing as next and this is what i give into the sports and it's quite interesting um the sports reflects what i'm thinking because um sometimes you don't need to speak to people because a lot of things are already there you just need to speak to yourself and don't worry i don't go to a tree and say hey tree, how are you it's just like sitting <laughs> on this bike for example or going running whatever it's just like a a, a period of time <clears throat> which is selfishly for myself to reflect what i'm thinking i mean you might know that my company is called movement right and uh, yeah. you know where the name came from? I sat on a bike. No, let's put it from the beginning. I have a good friend. She has a big marketing company in Hamburg. And I used to be calling myself FB Optimizer, right? Folk <laughs> sure. yeah, yeah, exactly. And she was saying, Folly, you know what? You don't optimize things. You do something totally different. So that's a really crappy name. And I said, OK. And then I said, what do I need to do? She said, you only come back for the next coffee when you've got a decent name for myself. I said okay so really i really hopped on my bike and i was biking like five hours until i came out to the idea and i was reflecting you know all these things you as young people do is like is purpose need this that and whatever claim blah 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 and then i came to the base you know i move people and i think about things so i use the ment and then this twist came in movement yeah what movement yeah and if you put the hyphen in between you have move meant because you move to use the meant and you need the ment to move. And this is where this twist came out. And this is where I really learned for myself, you know what, use sports, especially triathlon as a device for yourself for creativity. And it seriously works. So yeah.
2: So I was wondering, we also listened in into another podcast of yours. And you said that at the beginning, you kind of came to a level where you finished in a top 10 and you kind of got obsessed with triathlon. And then there was a while where you said you lost your why and you actually quit a race. So I was wondering what was the Then, I mean, now you found back your way back to triathlon. So what was the why that you then found again?
0: Let's put it this way. First of all, I had lost the why because I didn't see the reason why. And this is something I've learned of life and, and well, this is life experience and you, you can't make experience on speed. You make it of life. So it's something which takes time, unfortunately, but on the other side, it's a good thing is that I've, I've learned to listen to life. And, you know, life is so intelligent, it tells you actually everything if you just want to listen. And at that time, when I quit triathlon, I just noticed that, you know, you you need to be able to hurt yourself. You need to be able to dig deep. You need to be able to train every week, like four to five to six times so intense. And you need to ask yourself a base question, which I would want to put out to anybody, not only connected to triathlon, but in general, who are you? And mm-hmm. I'm not the name. I'm not asking where you come from. Who are you? What makes you? And at that time, for example, I noticed I'm not the person anymore who's wanting to hurt himself, is wanting to do the compromise of being traveling and not seeing the family. And I just noticed that. And during this competition, it just struck me. And I said, no. And as I said in this podcast, I was actually a second in the race, the Danish championships on the long distance. And uh, I was running half marathon or second. Everything was cool. And suddenly I just stopped. I said, no, why? And this is pathetic, but I quit triathlon in that moment. I, I flew back to Canaries where I was living at the time. I'd grab my wife and we went to Fuerteventura and two weeks vacation. And then uh, it was okay. The triathlon came back because suddenly something was calling me. So so I don't go there, shout to things. I just wait till things call me. And it was again this like, hey, you know what, dude, you could start doing a little or maybe go running for a little. Now running is too difficult. Go biking. So I started biking and I slowly got drawn back to it. So I was never searching for it. It called me. And this is with the biggest twist which I had, because before everything which happened to my life, I was was looking, shouting. I think I was one of the loudest because I was give me, give me, give me. I want I want to want. I can. I can. I can. I will. I will. I will. Well, I can't. But, you know, things in life are so cool sometimes, even if they appear to be so negative because they have so much content for themselves, if you are willing to listen to it. And this is where where, you know, I asked myself the question, who am I? And I was not the person for triathlon. I was not the person for hurting. I was the person who needed his family retrieve, reset himself and look what's coming next. And the why, as I said, was something which started calling me. So and in the moment as well, I'm preparing for another competition because it's calling me. I'm not searching.
2: Can you can you say what is calling you exactly?
0: What always draws you back? I mean, you want a seriously honest answer, Rod. Right? and that's what we're here for <laughs> the goddamn feeling of crossing this finishing line and having the personal success the feeling the emotion of having achieved something which is outstanding of having traveled this long path of preparation I'm getting goosebumps right now and then you know and then really going over this finish line and saying wow I did my best shot for me it's not important if I'm first or last or second or whatever the position it, 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 it's not important for me it's I need to have known I did my personally best shot on the day. I always like, you know, giving this example, if you have uh, two people sitting on a table and you have 100 little uh, marmels or beans lying on this table and you say, OK, we're going to give you one minute to collect as many of these as you can. Yeah. And then and, and, and you say go and these people start collecting. And after one minute you say stop, you start counting. You have one who's collected everything within one minute, within one second. And you have the other person who's collected maybe 20. And you say, well, the guy who's pulled up everything in one second is obviously the winner. And I say, no. I say why? Yeah, because the other guy doesn't have any hands and arms, but he gave his best shot. Now, I would like you people to judge who was the person who was the better person? And and this is where you know this whole performance thing, performance thing, gets really weird and complicated because we have expectations, we have personal expectations, we have all these things. But at the end of the day, I found out for myself. It's about the personal best shot. Use your abilities, use the things that you can find. If you don't know, ask and so forth. And I think this is what nerds me on triathlon because it's such a complex sport. And um, the first question I asked myself and I'm preparing for the Ironman, which has been postponed till September. And I want to qualify for Hawaii, obviously, for their World Championships. And I've claimed I want to become world champion in my age group. And um, this is something I'm really going to try and accomplish because I want to become world champion for the reason that I want to prove myself that I'm able to do the best performance and be better than the other old guys, but also because it's, because it's also part of my job description. I mean, I coach people on performance, success, peak performance, and I need to know what I'm talking about. So I need to make this experience again on myself, what it means to dig deep, to hurt yourself, but also, you know, to come back from a training session and just be satisfied. Just, just you know, to have the joy about it, because obviously up to now, I've only said like the downsides, it's hard, it's difficult. Yes, but there's also this pleasure. There's also this feeling of, you know, um, my my best triathlon in my life is the home triathlon, is shower, fridge, bed. That's so fucking awesome. (laughs) Sorry. But but you know, and this is something which gives me so much pleasure to have the impression I've been, or the feeling I've been training something, I've been peak performing, I've been doing exactly what I've been asking, not only myself, but I've been asking for, and then to really, really relax. Because also, there, I may put a hint, performance is not only loud. It's not only pushing. It's not only speeding up. It's also relaxing. It's calmness. It's a step back. It's it's coming together with people and just going with the flow. And this is something, as you both know and have experienced, this is something which is A, totally underestimated, and B, used far too little also in business life. And uh, yeah, so I'm claiming, yeah, Give everything you have all in, yes, please, but also do the other side. Relax, recover. No engine in the world will make it to have 24 7 high speed, highest revolution. Every engine at some stage will explode. And then the people shouldn't come to me and say, oh, we have a problem over here, something went wrong. I said, yeah, of course. And who was the person or the institution whose fault it was? Uh, no, no, yours. Because you misunderstood and did not respect one of the most important things in life, performance can only be created with recovery. No other way. And if you want to realize that and you have a formula for that, tell me, but you won't find it because that is nature. That's even evolution.
1: And how do you find that balance? Do you really think that this is something everyone needs to know for themselves? Like when to recover, when to perform? Because I think it's a a topic that is very hard for most people. When to push yourself and not be satisfied with what you're achieving right now. And when to just be there and be happy and and proud of what you did.
0: Lisa, you're totally right. And this is where I'm, well, I'll put it straight, criticize all the educational systems in the world. They teach performance but they don't teach recovery because how shall young people understand what is the balance if they only show you need to perform, 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 perform. And if you don't perform, you get, you get told off, told off, told off. You're not sufficient. You're not sufficient. Whatever, you know, this is, this is what you get taught more or less. So for you in your life, it's only about performance. And this is what I'm supporting a lot is trying to encourage these people to say enough is enough, but to be able to say when enough is enough, you need to know what you I need to achieve? And if, if this is not set out clear, you will always be hunting a goal which is not set. So you can't win that. And this is where I'm really criticizing. And I'm sorry for all the educational places in the world. But yes, I'm criticizing you people. Why do you only teach performance? Why don't you also teach Relaxation and recovery, because it's part of performance and these young people, they can't find a balance. I'm sorry, Lisa, I can't give you an answer, and say this is the formula because there is no formula. Mm. It's something where we need to get encouraged that we are allowed to also relax. We are allowed to step back because yeah. it's it's part of what the success makes is recovery. And this is why I'm so happy to be doing sports. And you two have done a triathlon, as you've told me. And you know what it was when you came back from this triathlon. Your legs were hurting a little. And the next day you had a muscle carter, as you say. So, yeah. And now just imagine uh, all you would be doing is running the next triathlon on top of that. You repeat that for five times and you'll injure yourself, right? Which will mm. you'll be injured for about four to five weeks. So where's the success? Well, shorthand at the first triathlon. And the rest was BS. I'm, I'm serious. Smarter yeah. would have been do the triathlon. Have this success feeling, you know? People people go through success as if it was a walk to the supermarket. No, you need to feel success again. Success is the beacon of what you're doing. Feel it, stop, get your people together and say, hey, you know what? That was awesome. It was really cool. You know, and then retrieve a little, and this is where this peak performance uh, idea from our side comes. You need to also say, okay, let's retrieve, and in the right moments, you say, peak performance. And then you know exactly it's a window you open where you give your absolute best and then you close the Mm. window and you go to the next step.
1: Yeah. Have you always thought like this um, or did it come with experience?
0: No, I have not always thought like this. (laughs) No, I was maybe maybe I should go back in my life. I was born and grew up in South Africa. And at that Mm. time, South Africa was a very, very racial country. As you know, it was the apartheid. And I was at boarding school. And, you know, boarding school at that time was really getting caned on the, you know, when you did something wrong, you were hit with a stick and things like that. So it was quite gruesome. And I was taught to function. There was black and white, literally, not only a color of skin. It was also you do right or wrong. There was nothing in between there. So if you were right, you were okay. If you were wrong, you were punished. This is where I came from. And then I moved over to Germany when I was 15. And then Germany was like, hey, ho, here we go. You know, you could do whatever you wanted to. You could just be yourself and, you know, it could be cheeky to the teachers. You, you you didn't even need to go to school. And I used that, obviously. I think I was the, the worst scholar you could imagine. I just was all over the place, <laughs> but not there where I was supposed to be. And um, then something happened when I was in the 11th grade. Is obviously I failed the class because I just didn't. And, and this was, I would say, one of the, the first times where I noticed, you know, sometimes you need to start drawing decisions. And this was. And it happened together with my best friend at that time, Stefan. That was really cool because that would also taught, uh, taught me something. I don't need to always uh, do everything on my own. If you have the right people around yourself, and this is about teamwork, it's about company choice, oh, my God, things you can you can achieve things that are awesome. They're just like crazy. So what happened is that Stefan and I, we sat down, you know, having a break, and said, what are we going to do now? Are we going to go off the school or are we really going to kick ass? So we agreed on we're going to give kick ass, peak performance for two years and graduate our Abitur. So so he, I think he did the best of the school. I was one of the best as well, doesn't matter, but it showed me, you know, sometimes you need to draw decisions and really go for it. You need to sometimes say, this is how I want to do it. So decide. And uh, through my life, a few times, there were decisions which came this way. And that taught me after and after uh, that, yeah, you should be thinking on, but you're also allowed to think off, and that is mm. courageous, obviously, because society doesn't doesn't like off. No, 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 no. We just go on, 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 on. Okay, doesn't work anymore. Let's get a new one. And and you know this is the problem. But um, at the end of the day, no, I didn't always think this way, because what my life taught me is that sometimes life is more intelligent than yourself. Just listen to it. And notice, no, 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 it's not always
2: on, it's also off sometimes, yes. So so now I do have to ask, because uh, I mean, this podcast is C- CDTM related and we are an educational institution, <laughs> so if we are not uh, supposed to only be judged on our performance, right, and on the on time, but also on the off time, mm-hmm. do you have any ideas uh, how we could change the CDTM curriculum to also incorporate more the off time a bit into teaching?
0: Yes. I've actually implemented this to some leading consulting companies in the world, which you may know, is yes. Um, for example, you should all have the courage to put on yourself four hours, meaning two times two hours of just time for free disposal, whatever you like to do. And everybody, ah, four hours. Oh, my God, we, we we can't afford four hours. Oh, my God, this is like 15 and a half percent of what we are. No, 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 no. I tell you something, these four hours, Two times two hours will be the most creative the most communicative and the most empowering hours of your whole weekly roster i can promise you that you you can both feel it already it's like yeah this 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 yeah yeah and this is already like what i like to install is magnets it needs to be something which is attractive to the people it needs to draw them there you don't need to push people or pull people you need to be so good that you install magnets that the people go there for the reason why and I, I'm not a scenic friend, you know, saying, okay, the purpose and this. No, no, this is too much theory. It doesn't help you. It gives you an idea, but it doesn't really help you. But I've experienced enough, as I said, I've recommended this to companies which are, are consulting the world, Yeah. is that the uh, managing directors have two hours per week, which is for like valuable for, I don't know how much bucks, for free disposal time, they can do whatever what they want. And it's put in their timetable.
2: Yeah. Doing doing the work time, yeah, right?
0: And the effect is that these people are overperforming far more than they were before and this is why if you ask me directly and i'm sorry that i'm criticizing your own institution if you would ask i would really recommend two times two hours per week where you people can decide what you do in this time i would really 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 recommend use this time forever what you like but be present and you can decide whatever you like I've been recommending, not this in particular, but I've been working with this idea since a few years, and I could be telling you what the experience and the feedback of these companies and the communities is, what happens in this time, but I can only say generally, it is highly, highly beneficial. It is an invest of four hours per week, which will have an over-proportional effect on your doing, your being, your community, and at the end of the day, of your performance as well
2: yeah i think this this sounds wonderful (laughs) we'll make sure to forward this okay so one one question i have here so often in my free time i actually uh, end up doing sports as well i go running a bit yeah once i did a triathlon as well so but still and also although i do it just for fun right i still have a tendency to say okay see now next time run faster run longer or maybe if i go climbing like maybe i can climb something more difficult so I also end up pushing myself even like a bit more and a bit more and then I wonder okay that's like this is my free time right so does this actually balance me out or, or am I getting more stressed at the moment so my question to you is what role should like ambition play in in sports and in this time time off right but still I'm, I'm kind of struggling to find the like a good balance there. Do you have any tips on that?
0: I think ambition is something very, very personal. The first question you should ask yourself maybe, Tim, is am I doing this really for myself? Or am I doing it to actually be able to show that I'm performing good enough in front of others? And that may be either your family or your best friends or your environment. You know, this is, I always say, courage and honesty. Have the courage to ask this question and the honesty to also answer it. Ambition, for example, if you do it for yourself, is, I think, very healthy. I think it's good to have ambitions. I think it's good. It's necessary as well. You know, if you want to go, if you want to go, uh, want to go on, a, on, a, on a journey, you need to have the motivation. And motivation comes from movement, is, is the, the, the emotion, right? And it's the same if you want to achieve something. You need to really, really want to have the ambition as well to achieve something. But where it goes wrong is that what's your goal setting like? When are you going to be satisfied? When is enough, enough? Yes. all these questions? And then there I would, if you would ask me now personally and between us two, I would say, yes, please be ambitious, but be ambitious for the right reason that you find personal satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And if the satisfaction then pleasures the others, uh, fine, but don't do it for the wrong reason for the others. Start with yourself.
2: I, I totally agree. Goal setting is super helpful, but why should I set myself now an arbitrary goal of, I don't know, running 10K in 40 minutes? It's like, this is just a goal like, I push myself to that boundary. And then if I do get 40 minutes, why should I not just say, okay, but next time I have to do 39, right? So Yeah, Tim, because
0: you've already um, asked yourself the right question. Who am I? You're an ambition for, ambitious person, right? Yeah. And this is why you do that, because but you t- need this ambitious feeling. You need to search something. You need to have the feeling that you are valuable. You know, if, if something's on the shelf the whole time at the same place, it has its base value, and that's it. And that's, I call them status people which is totally fine you don't need to be an ambitious person you know you can be a status quo person that's fine um for you the problem will become that other people start judging you and then you start feeling like oh my god now i need to move because i'm not the norm or whatever will happen now you've already said this with yourself why should i be going from 40 down to 39 30 for example why should i be doing that yes because you have an ambition tim you you, you you have mm-hmm. a drive. You, you have questions you want to ask to answer yourself. Am I able to do so? And you already treasure not only getting the result, but how am I going to get there? That's something I can, within the short amount of time we've spoken to each other, tell you straight in the face that you are a highly ambitious person, but you don't have a clue of putting the goals in the right place, that you have the satisfaction of saying, cool, I've got this intermediate level and now I can step further. What I think a lot of people do wrong, let's call it, is they try to climb the Mount Everest in one go. Nobody's ever made that. Now you have like base camps and these base camps, for example, are intermediate goals of ambition. And I think that's that's a very old and very used uh, comparison, but it works very, very well. Yeah. So your your ambition or the people's ambition is there's something calling you and you want to give an answer. And that is not everybody. As I say, people can be status quo people. People can also be people who are like, I don't care, people. There's people who say, you do the job and I'll take the glory. And there's people, they are front runners. They run and run and run and run. And people say, why are you do that? Well, it gives me a pleasure. Yeah, what for? I wouldn't understand. Yeah. Yeah. And this is why I think there's no answer to your question of saying this is the formula because we have like seven and a half billion people out there and they also don't personalities Mm -hmm. and this is why i'm also hoping that educational systems will become even more personalized because our future will be really people who can perform in the moment for the reason with the best possible result and i think that the educational broad scope which is offered at the moment doesn't grasp it anymore because we have such a big change in generation i mean you know oh god the second world war generation where people they 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 had to go to work they did the way they did it they had their life and and that was how it was then you have the 60s 65s they were the first people say we have an alternative which like a free choice we can we can break out of boundaries we allow to emancipate ourselves whatever and then we have the next generation said you know my parents were this way but we are that way and you people are the new generation and i think that's fantastic and i'm, I'm totally not only envious but i'm so happy that there's it's people like you who have this greed for ownership whatever that means but ownership buzzword ownership cool leadership yeah but how do we do it no idea <laughs> but but this is what i think the world needs to prepare for at least in the in the western world is we need to understand that we have something Let's call it the Beatles effect. You know, when the Beatles band came out, all the parents said, oh, my God, my, my, my girls are going to get pregnant just from watching them. Right? And then, but, but yes, every generation, every older generation has the challenge also to understand that the new generation is going away, uh, away, which may not be our thing, but is totally the way how evolution functions. And this is why I think mm. we need to understand that, yes, ambition is important, at least in my life. And if ambition gives you a good feeling, please serve ambition and carry on whatever you thrive for. On the other side, if you notice Mm. you're not an ambitious person, please don't try. Be ambitious because it will only give you negative experiences only, which will then give you this message. I'm not good enough. I'm I'm not making it. Mm. I don't have a positive result, which will actually in the worst case end something which has not even begun for the wrong reason, because you were looking the wrong Mm. way. You were looking in the wrong direction.
1: Yeah. Now I have a follow-up yes. question there because well, let's assume I am an ambition per- person. I set these mm-hmm. goals for myself. I went to achieve mm-hmm. them. What role do you think should measurement then play?
0: Okay, this is a good one. Measurement in sports, if you're talking about world championships and Olympics, I think it's fantastic. It's necessary. And it's exactly the reason why we have this because the people want to know this is the number which has been achieved here. This is the result. And now we mm. can talk about it. In sports, if it were on a personal level, it's tricky. 95% of the people who meet me and talk to me, and then they have heard that I'm a world champion and I'm a European champion, all these things, will say, well, um, I'm not a good runner because, you know, I only run 55 minutes and whatever. I say, and yeah, but, but, and I offer them, why don't we go for a run? No, 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 no. I say, yeah, but why not? Yeah, because um, I'm bad. I say, okay. You bad. 55 minutes on 10K. You bad. Okay, I'll tell you who is worse. Somebody runs 60. Yep. So measurement to give you an answer, Lisa, is important if you use it in the right way, in a constructive way. It make it approachable mm-hmm. and achievable. Measurement in sport is not healthy if you put it places which you can never, never reach. Meaning always one step further than you actually would. And measurement does not work. If you don't understand and no matter which result list, the figures of the result, the time of the result, the number of the result does not tell the story. The actual value is the story, not the result.
2: So in that context, how do you think about striving and optimizing versus self-acceptance and saying, okay, uh, I'm happy with that?
0: I think that striving is the base of development, you need to be wanting to strive to be able to have a base of also self confidence, self evolution and finding out who you are. And if you don't strive, you can't have self acceptance.
1: That's interesting.
0: This is what I what what I like doing is just putting something in the Mm -hmm. room is uh, like making people think. Yeah, it's easy to say something which is like commonly known. I think even if you have different opinions, it's the best thing you can have. So, yes, I would say that striving is the base.
1: Mm-hmm. No, but there, I mean, I would I would agree for like our environment where it's the base to strive. But then there are so many people who just seem super happy with what they're doing and what they achieved. Although like looking um, at what they're doing objectively or like from outside, it doesn't look like a lot. But they're still super self-accepting, it seems. So would you disagree yep. there? Yeah, because they Why? always
0: strive to keep this status quo.
1: Okay, interesting. So you would say they're the status quo people, and if they're striving to keep the yeah. status quo,
0: this is a fantastic discussion. And this is not evaluating. It's so important to understand that a striving person is not more valuable than a status quo person. And and I'm putting this name because it's it's just a definition I put onto it. So please, please, nobody out there think it's evaluating. It's 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 not important to evaluate people. It's it's more important to understand. What is the idea behind it? If you, for example, have a status quo person, like you say, somebody is no, I'm happy with this and this is the way I'm fine with it. In my experience, if you take one of these pillars of their satisfaction away, this implodes so viciously because they don't know how to alternate to the status quo. Mm -hmm. So their striving is to maintain the status quo. Their striving is to make everything stay the way it is, because that's how they feel very, very good. And interestingly, if, if one of these pillars, as I say, break away, there's two options, there, which is used one is aggression. I fight for it. I get aggressive, mm-hmm. I defend it. And the other one is retrieving. I'm not up for this and pulling away. I let it crumble. I look for a new place, which is a new level of my new status quo, but both of them, I'm sorry, everybody in life strives. Everybody I haven't, anybody who doesn't strive. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. Super cool.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe
2: talking about uh, pillars breaking away is a good transition to our next block uh, called turning Adver- adversity into opportunity. So you actually had one quite decisive moment, maybe even a pillar breaking away, where you had an accident. You told us this in an inspire and dine at CDTM. Can you tell us a bit more about what exactly happened there and how that affected, yeah, your thinking and the way you moved forward.
0: Okay, so it was obviously this is it was a game changer. Not only it was a life changer and it's something which still like follows me in the positive. So I was I was actually on the bicycle. I was riding on Lanserreau in the Canary Islands where I was living at that time, because it's only not only a fantastic place to be because there's sunshine. It's quite cool over there. I must say you can do everything you like is that I was drawn down there through the sports because I was doing a lot of triathlon. I just finished my studies. And obviously, for me as a man, there's also women out there who seem to be attractive to me and whatever. So I actually um, moved to my later wife because, you know, love is also a magnet. So my decision was to go away from uh, Germany down to Lanzarote and uh, moved there and arrived there with two bicycles, uh, my entire stereo because I love music, and obviously a noodle pot. And that was it. So this is how I restarted down the Canary. And um, It was that i was sitting on the bike and you know life was just the normal way it was just like cool it was this i saw all these friends of mine and you know we crossed crisscrossing and i was only like 10 minutes from home and then the next thing i um, noticed was that just something banged it just went like bam and and i still have the sound in my head nowadays in my subconscious and and in the next moment i just knew something is going terribly wrong and then something happened, and I'm really, really not one of the spiritual people, is that my father had just died um, three months before this. And he was a missionary, a missionary who went down to uh, South Africa. This is why I was born down there, together with my mom, who was a nurse. And they built a church with their own hands for the black people and whatever. So this man was a really a, I would say he's, he's one of my heroes of my life, because he gave me a lot. he He showed me how it is to have nothing and make something out of it. And he he humbled me very much in my life. So in the moment of this impact, heard this noise. I knew something was not right. And the next thing is that I saw my dad, really, you know, in in wherever this was, in my mind, I can't say. And he just said, Foley, don't be scared. We'll see us much later. And the next thing I noticed, I just smacked on the ground. Okay. So what had happened is that a car had come from the back, which I couldn't have seen or heard, and was driving with about 100 kilometers an hour. And I mentioned this in the podcast before that i know this or we know this because the car behind the car which smacked me was a friend of mine and i was hit so badly on my right mm. leg that i was flipped over the entire car which was life-saving so i flew over the entire car without hitting any part of the car and then smacked down on the road uh, or with my butt with my backside and what i didn't know at that moment is that i had broken four of my backbones apart from having my right leg fractured and few of my ribs broken and you know i was quite in a bad shape so i smacked down there and then i knew something's not right i was conscious the whole time and the first thing i did i screamed for my heart rate monitor because it was fastened to my bike my bike was lying i think 150 meters away and people had stopped obviously and everybody was woof and uh, i can only say if people start mumbling and talking with a low voice then you know something's seriously not right and i wasn't feeling good so somebody ran and got me the heart rate monitor and i took it in my hand because i had my heart rate strapped around my chest and uh, i could see that i was alive because i just wanted to see proof that i'm alive so i looked at my heart rate monitor my heart rate was somewhere around 120 which is normal elevated because you're in shock situation and uh, okay so what happened then is that the people called the ambulance, and I was lying on this road for what I was told afterwards, forty-five minutes. Because in Canary Islands, if you call the ambulance, you get the call over to Gran Canaria. Gran Canaria calls Lanzarote. Lanzarote sends, <sighs> and Lanzarote had sent the uh, ambulance to the wrong place of the island. So I was lying uh, on this road like forty-five minutes. I was shivering and everything, and a, a lot of things go through your mind. You know, you you get scared. It, it was totally out of control. It was. I was controlless. I was in the fate. I was in the situation of, you know, yeah, let's see what happens next. So at last there was a medic coming and the ambulance and they shoved me into this ambulance and this medic was sitting on the right hand side of my head. And I looked at him and I was conscious the whole time. I couldn't feel my legs. I was hurting badly. And, and then at some stage on the ride to the hospital, I just said to this medic in Spanish, "Um, I'm going to give you my life in your hands and passed away because I was, I was done. So when I woke up again, I was in the hospital and again, the people were talking with low voices and then I was like, okay, tell me what's wrong. Well, you have this, you have that and whatever. And yeah, you, you've, you broken your backbones and the probability that you're going to be walking is like very, very, very low till zero. Okay. And, and this is because you asked, what did it do to me? It, it was devastating. It was like, I always call it my personal ground zero. It's like, you know, life has been just normal. You're so close to your normality of life, like 10 minutes, and then you come back to your, to your normal life. And then suddenly just fate comes in. Like saying this because it puts it so clearly. Fate is like the party crash of your life. Party is not invited. He comes there, makes a huge mess, and just shoves off.
1: So how, how did this influence you as a person? And maybe then also you becoming a coach? So it
0: influenced me in the way that, obviously, I need to, first of all, accept the situation. I th- analyzing, Mm. accepting is the first thing I think people should do if something comes up which they don't know and they want to change. You need to accept that it is not the way that it was before. Secondly was you need to decide decision. What are you going to do? Are you going to try to become the person who you are? And I'm doing a shortcut on this because obviously it's a little more complex. Are you going to be the person who you were and try to recreate yourself? You're gonna accept mm. that you won't be able to be the person who you were and create the new person of the future who you will be. And this was a huge, huge, huge learning for myself uh, that I don't spend a lot of time on my past anymore, but I use the past heavily to create the future. And this is something I really learned out of the situation. The next thing is goal setting. You know i was so ambitious obviously the old folly you know here 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 we go ambition 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 is that i forced my recovery so badly that at some stage i was standing on my right broken leg so heavily that it re-broke and it yeah yeah. And and it taught me something hey ambition kills perfection but perfection creates ambition so i understood why don't you put a very good ambitious goal setting which is the perfection i need achieve that have a rest Reset. Carry on. And this is what I also the claim I put in the last podcast is ambition kills perfection, but perfection creates ambition is exactly because I learned perfection is nothing negative. It's not a pressure. It's understanding to use your resources in the best possible way and then carry on, which doesn't mean that you're not an ambitious person. You're just a smart person. So uh, what did it do to my coaching? So the biggest takeaways, let me wrap up, is first of all, acceptance. Secondly, don't use the past or the negatives as as uh, downsides. Use them as potentials, as upsides. Everything which doesn't work has the highest potential, so focus on that. Everything which is perfect, you can only polish. You can minorly adjust it. Secondly, don't try repeat what you have done. Try and recreate what you will be doing. The big sports... Winners like in tennis, Nadal, all these people, they don't repeat success. They recreate success every time. This is what I learned as well. And obviously, every morning, I decide what's the day going to be. I decide. No matter what comes, how am I going to deal with it? There's days where I say, you know what, I'll go with the flow. There's days where I say, you know, if there's something which I, comes up to me and I can't cope with it, I'll just reach you. Or I say, no, today I'm going to just going to kick ass. This is something because you have far more control about it than you think. And what happened most is if you don't understand that if, for example, take a snake has no legs, do you seriously think this snake is running around the whole life thinking, I don't have legs, I don't have legs? And this is what I did. I said, okay, the situation is not as before. So I accept the situation go forward. So I can't walk in the moment, but I can use my foot and my toe to move it. So this is how not only handle, but what I took away and what did it do to me as a coach, because obviously I've been coaching people before that. I seriously Hmm. understand if people come to me and say, I don't know how to carry on because I know firsthand what it means to be at a ground zero. And I'm wishing everybody you don't need a ground zero in the depth as I've experienced it, because it is a tough one. But every single person on daily basis, hourly basis, weekly basis has a spot where he says things feels I don't know how to carry on. But this is, I think, mm. my biggest takeaway is I understand emotionally, logistically, informatively how to carry on from here so this is what uh, changed my life as a coach and i'm very grateful for that because this was my one of my missing links because yes, knowledge uh, more than enough and uh, experience yes more than enough but this is a niche which i hadn't had before
2: so i, w- I was wondering you several uh, several times said now you asked you ask yourself the questions who are you and in this case you said don't go don't try to go back to who you were but rather try to look into the future so is that something you constantly do? Kind of ask yourself, "Who am I at the moment,
0: and who will I become, or who do I want to become?" I don't ask it myself constantly, no, because this is this would be freaking me out. Where am I? Who am I? But no, I think it, I think this is this is who I just am. I, I, I'm greedy for life. I'm searching for things. I'm not finished yet, you know. There's so many things we can do out there, all of us. But I found out myself that the the measurement needs to be a myself, my abilities. And what do I need to add on to it? Mm-hmm. Well, care for it. Make sure you get it. What don't I need? Well, get rid of it. Just uh, you asking, uh, Tim, about this, where I come from. A lot of people, and this is not criticizing, it's something just out of the experience. They put everything they've experienced in the past into like a backpack. And this backpack gets heavier and heavier. And, and I mean, obviously, the people in the podcast can't see me now, but it makes to, you do the following. It pulls you back, 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 because it gets heavier. And at some stage... You're looking backwards. That's why I'm thinking, you yeah. know, often mm. clear out the closet. And this is what I do is what do I seriously need at the moment and whatnot? And uh, no, on a daily basis, no, I'm not asking who am I and whatever. I ask myself this generally if I pick up new ambitions and new 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 questions and new projects as well. Especially when, for example, companies ask me if I can support them, is the first question, am I am I able to support them seriously? I'm I'm serious, somebody who who Judges first himself, am I good enough to support what the question is? And this is where I use this. But no, apart from that, there's so many things I love doing out there, so many projects coming up, and I'm happy about that. Yeah.
2: All right. Super cool. So maybe one question before we move uh, on to our more practical toolbox, as this podcast is also for rather young and ambitious listeners. Do you have any advice for them, for people who are looking still for their journey and uh, for their path in the world uh, any advice um, from your side
0: Um first of all be patient because uh, you know decisions are made out of experience and uh, as young people you can't have the experience yet of knowing exactly what you want you have ideas and and people then think like and this is just our society because we are this society of mm-hmm. thriving of development of success of industry often i've noticed that people decide too early let's call it mm-hmm. they're not sure yet but they need to decide because of expectation not the self expectation Yes, sometimes as well, but the expectation of society that you at some stage need to know what you're going to be. My biggest advice would be, well, decide, but be sure to know it's not the final destination. So stay flexible in your mind. Because one of the biggest, biggest, biggest advantages of the generation we have now is choice. So yeah, decide maybe it's the wrong decision. And, and well, doesn't pay my salaries or my debts, or my daily business, then do the following. Why don't you use it as a vehicle? Use it. Exploit the situation you're in to become the person you really want to be. I've I've seriously recommended this to people. You know what? Go to work, uh, to work, let's say, uh, for one year, a well-known hamburger chain in the world. Go there, just work your butt off. Use it as vehicle to fill your account to then be able to do what you really want to do. It'll help you a lot, because in this time, when you're standing in front of this burger, turning patties and whatever, you have a lot of time to reflect and especially to find out what you don't want. <laughs> That's
1: super nice. No, it,
0: it's, it's seriously the way I don't recommend people to say, find out what you want. I recommend them find out what you don't want, because excluding <laughs> system is often, le- often the, the, the uh, more efficient one, because you know what you need to defend. So my advice, as I've said, is like, be patient. You don't need to be perfect straight away. In no ways, yes, you have a choice. It's the highest privilege and luxury we have in our world. A person without legs does not have the choice to stand up anymore. And if you notice you don't know it yet, well, use a vehicle. Meaning, go and work away and use it. Use it, exploit it. And this is what yeah. uh, I need to be careful what I'm saying, but this is what I also suggest to people who, for example, are working at places where they don't like working. And, you know, I have a lot to do with, I work a lot with people who do want to change. And why don't you do the following? Make a plan out of it, strategy. Exploit the place where you're working at the moment to the utmost. Take as much knowledge as you can. Take as much earnings as you can. But prepare yourself for the next step. You young people out there, you have a privilege, you have the privileged choice. Choose not wisely, but choose in a way that you say, this is not the final destination. I can be patient because yes, choice is made also by experience and not experience of the others. It's personal experience, it's your experience. And this is why I pledge, please give these people four hours a week, sit down and talk about things like that, seriously. People need to understand That they are not the only ones especially as young people who have doubts who are scared who don't know if they're good enough who think like i need to i need to be perfect now i need to choose now if you sit down and you find out and this is uh, this is what what nerds me so much i'm 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 sitting on as i've mentioned on writing a book and it's called checksum is they check some of the things of experience because also on the sea levels, and, and you young people are not the only ones. There's a top 10 of the sea levels, it's always the same, it's just a different company. And this, I think, this makes community. And this encourages really for fear of failures, talk about the things that you don't really talk about.
1: Nice, awesome. So now, Volkert, moving on to a very last section, just a few rapid questions. What is a book everyone should read?
0: Uh, Nelson Mandela. Long Walk to Freedom. 100% because this man really, 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 really uh, changed the world.
1: Nice. An app everybody should download.
0: Uh, No coaching apps. I would recommend strongly GoodNotes. GoodNotes is a program you can use for paperless working and on your iPads. So that's paperless. It's GoodNotes. It's very cool and I can recommend it. Yes.
1: Nice. Um, a podcast you love listening to.
0: Online Rockstars is a podcast. You might know it. There's normally, uh, if the pandemic would not be every uh, year in Hamburg, there's the Online Marketing Rockstars, a huge community. And I think uh, what's put out there is thumbs up.
1: <laughs> nice. Um, is there a routine you follow?
0: Yes. Uh, I mentioned before, I don't do this Top of mind, but every morning I get up a little earlier than I need to because that's the precious time is nice and quiet. I get myself a coffee and I decide what's the day going to be.
1: Super cool. And an innovator everybody should know.
0: Yourself. (laughs) If you have the guts to stand up in the morning and do something which changes the world to the positive, you fucking awesome, you innovator.
1: Super cool. Nice. So, Falkert, before we finish this off, I also want to give you the chance to ask a question to our next guest, um, who will be uh, Aleph. She's actually the founder of Female Tech Leaders, uh, very engaged in this whole topic, also from a tech background um, and uh, was in startups before. So um, is there any question you think she could be a perfect guest to answer?
0: Um, yes, I would have a question. Um, Are females the better leaders?
1: (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Looking forward to the answer there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, because, um, yeah, it's something which I'm thinking a lot about is like this male female thing. Ask her that. Yes, are females the better leaders and why? Nice.
2: Thank you so much, Falkert. Uh, We enjoyed that session. Uh, Thank you for the time and thank you for being here.
0: Thank you so much, both of you for the opportunity once again, and I hope that everybody can pull something out of this and uh, anytime.
2: So Lisa, let's uh, reflect about the Vollcut episode a little bit. What do you think?
1: Yeah, again, super cool episode and a very inspiring personality, I think. I guess Falkert is really a coach through and through. You can definitely hear that in what he says. And this is, I guess, also something that I took away. I really liked his idea of being very present and not just, you know, striving and being ambitious, but then also celebrating successes and kind of seizing the moment, seizing the day. This was something that stood out to me.
2: Yeah, that's true. And like reflecting about what ambition means and rather seeing it as a tool to maybe get, get you where you want to go, but then also appreciating the power that breaks can have and like taking a moment off to like maybe correct where you want to head. And yeah, I think that was a good tip in general and also like his shout out to, to our generation to be patient about the future like trust the process trust the journey and it will kind of fall into place i i think that's a like nice nice thing to hear uh, for us so yeah
1: Yeah. and then also i mean he's prime example for sometimes you just have to have to accept the situation as it is and then go forward with it this was also so interesting and empowering i think because yeah just some some things you just cannot change but you can make the best out of it so also definitely something i took away
2: yeah for him it was quite a drastic mm-hmm. cut right yeah. with, with the whole accident i think we don't want to wish anyone or any one of our listeners uh something similar like that but i think uh, like he definitely learned a lot of lessons mm. from it and now giving them like, to us and through his coaching
1: yeah and That's, impressive how he got out of it
2: yeah yeah definitely
1: Cool. So at this point, thanks so much again for tuning in. And also, a huge shout out to our production team, without whom we couldn't do this for sure. So thanks to Keke, Maria, Annalena, and Frederick, who are a huge part of the podcast. And then also, if you enjoyed this episode, please spread the word, share with your friends, and of course, give feedback. So we are always reachable under podcast at cdtm.de. Or you just look at our website, uh, which is cdtm.de podcast, and you will find all the episodes there and the feedback form again. So for our next episode, as you already heard, we are w- welcoming Aleph Kanoglu to the podcast. And we're super excited for her, giving us a lot of insights on female leadership and uh, women in tech. So stay tuned for this one. Thanks for tuning in.
2: See you in two weeks.